0: Welcome to Two Girls Talking Trash, a food waste podcast with Hope and Kat.
1: Hello, and welcome to Two Girls Talking Trash. We're a food waste podcast. I'm Hope. And I'm Kat. And we are very excited to take you grocery shopping with us today. We are talking all about food waste at the grocery store. Does it come in as a... Uh, being wasted, uh, what are stores doing to help prevent the waste? And more importantly, are there grocery stores out there that have zero waste? Unfortunately, the grocery store is one of the highest places where, uh, waste is occurring at their, um, or just at the retail level in general, according to refed, um, it's estimated that retailers are generating 10.5 million tons of food waste and sending almost one third of that waste to the landfill. The exciting thing is that CFOs are starting to make it a top priority um, because they calculate that that, all that food is estimated to represent $18.2 billion of food. And here we go again money is a motivator (laughs) i'm starting to get the vibe that it's maybe the only motivator right
0: (laughs) i mean at least someone's paying attention and they're thinking about it right if it's not going to be the other side that's a high level person cfo they can make change
1: i think cfos are making probably a lot of change Mm -hmm. like in my household The person with the money is making all the the decisions. (laughs) They get to
0: uh, hold the purse strings and open them when they want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Slap that out of your hands. We're not going to get that. We can't waste that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: You left your food too many times at the restaurant. No more eating out.
1: You're cut off for now. Yeah.
0: Until you can prove that
1: you could do better.
0: But yeah, I mean, restaurants, not restaurants. Grocery stores, man, it's tough. It's tough because there's a lot of pieces to running and running a grocery store. It's not just selling food, of course. There's everything else that goes into it. You got refrigeration, you got to keep things cold, you got to keep things frozen, you got to store stuff. It's a lot.
1: <laughs> and unfortunately, overstocking is just like business as usual.
0: Yeah, that's that's your business model. You write it in to always have abundance. Because if I show up at a grocery store and there's only one box of pasta, I'm never returning to the
1: store. Something must be wrong with that one box. Mm-hmm. It's not because the brand is so good that you, everyone has bought the rest. Mm-hmm. Something must be wrong with it.
0: Something must be wrong. It's crazy that we've been like trained to, to think that way. and or like that prettier packaging the food is going to be better. Or if you see words like natural and I don't know, I can't think of another organic. I mean, I guess organic now has, you do have a uh, certification for organic, but like the words natural and things like that, there's no regulation on that. So it can mean nothing really. And and they're able to put it on there. I'm Um, naturally hope. Yeah. Naturally cat, you know, we all are natural, but but yeah, it's, it's a challenge. And you know, nearly a quarter of the waste um, that ends up in the landfill is made up from food product packaging. Um, and we're seeing that it's having lots of impacts beyond the landfill. The Smithsonian Magazine put out an article about this and talked about how plastic is ending up in the ocean and causing hazards for sea life and turning the ocean into a plastic haven and there is even evidence that the plastic fibers from food packaging and other plastic containers are actually contaminating tap water and then to top it all off recycling has become a lot more difficult because the outlets were once that were once available to send recycling have become much more limited so many communities and individuals are you know they're trying to focus on how they can reduce food packaging and businesses across, you know, across the country, as well as the globe have started to think about how can they do that in a different space so that, you know, there isn't as much packaging waste uh, as it relates to your grocery shopping.
1: It's pretty crazy. Like you think about all of the food waste and then you forget that it's covered in some sort of packaging and like Mm -hmm. how long that packaging is going to sit there as opposed to just like the food is going to be a liquid liquid, like mushy, whatever. Mm. And your packaging, um, brief story. Uh, the other day, Mike, one of my coworkers was telling me that his cat ate, got mad and ate a piece of like the plastic, um, like math that it was using to eat its food. And he was like, oh my God, like it's going to throw it up or it'll pass. Like, I'll just monitor, look for it. Five days later, the cat threw it up. So that plastic sat in a cat's stomach for five days. And when it came up, it looked still exactly the same as when it went down. So plastic doesn't break
0: down and it just sits and sits and leeches into everything.
1: It's a little bit terrifying.
0: It is a little bit terrifying, but people are trying to make some changes. We've seen like big movements. Like there was a giant petition a few years ago for Trader Joe's to reduce their packaging for their, like all the clamshells that your berries and things come in. And I'm starting to see those changes recently. I just bought berries in a cardboard box recently. That's a big thing that I really haven't seen too much before. So changes are starting to happen, but it takes a long process and there's so many grocery stores out there. So I, you know, how are they doing it?
1: Yeah. So, um, the slow road to zero puts out a report. Um, and so, uh, based on the 2019 report, um, so the slow road to zero is a report on how food are, sorry, how food retailers are doing, uh, and their, uh, strive to cut back on food waste, mm. um, and ultimately, um, get to the place where they agree, uh, that there should be zero waste. Um, and so the 2019, um, study is out and, uh, it found, um, this is actually really interesting to me. Um, the top three are going to be, uh, top three performers, um, of 2019 and they're rated in, in ranking. And then also they all get grades. And so So the
0: the top three that are doing, um, wasting the least amount of food.
1: So they have it, so you would think that that would probably be the way to do it, Um, but it's actually based on a couple different factors. So it's based on their commitments to food food waste. So Mm. like what kind of commitments have they made Um, and then specifically like how many as well um they're tracking and transparency so um based on the commitments they've made like how are they tracking it and then is it transparent to people if they want to actually go in and say like hey wh- what kind of progress are you making mm-hmm. and then prevention overall so like what are they doing like supply chain wise or um uh in the way they their are like processes in mm-hmm. the store how are how are they also performing So out of those three categories, you can either get a one or a five. Um, And so based on those rankings, uh, the top three that are scoring A's, um, the top two actually got fives in all categories. So the first one is Kroger. They -hmm. obviously have their zero waste, zero hunger or zero hunger, zero waste initiative um, that was uh, started in 2017, and it's aimed to reduce food waste overall, but also Um, if there is waste, it's going to, um, end hunger. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: um, in 2020, uh, the, they actually generated, uh, 288, a little over 288,000 tons of food waste. Um, but they diverted 44% of that, um, from the landfill, which is up from 27.1, which was their baseline in 2017. So they're, they're making large strides, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. obviously room for that to change, well, and how Basically, much, almost doubling
0: and how much of the food is edible like is all of that edible or is that just all food that was it's wasted? all food waste
1: so, so. they haven't pulled out like yeah the piece that actually because we know that just in life and in transition um there's so many places that food can go to waste mm-hmm. and so it could arrive at the grocery store in in some capacity wasted already. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's including that. Like if, if a truck shows up and like half of their peaches, well, hopefully they're rejecting them, but right. if <laughs> if they don't and they're wasted at the store, anything wasted at the store level is um, captured in that. Um, so the company has turned its focus, or so they they feel like at this point in their journey, they're they've hit a place where um, reducing loss internally is pretty well captured. Um, so now they're shifting to the supply chain and how um, because they're such a lar- large large organization utilizing so many suppliers, um, and they have again, money, um, Mm -hmm. they are hopeful that they can use uh, their influence to over suppliers and then ultimately, hopefully over customers as well. So the company has established a $10 million innovation fund to support food waste solutions. Um, and then in August, the company also announced that it was eliminating plastic bags from its, all of its stores, even outside of States that, um, have those bands uh by 2025 so um yeah so they're taking like that extra step i think well deserved uh a ranking uh number one uh so job kroger right i feel biased because i'm from the midwest like that's our (laughs) grocery store so the second one is ad usa and they have um they have stores like food lion giant and fresh direct but they're um they're an international brand. So they have, um, 19 banners uh, under them. Um, and so they are also ringing an a and have 15 out of 15 points. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And then, um, third is Walmart. Pretty interesting there. Um, I know that they're, um, they have a large commitment to, rescuing food and working with, uh, feeding America, who I'm sure we'll learn about in the near future, but they actually are losing points in transparency. Um, mm-hmm. so even though they've made the commitment and are going working to prevent the food waste, they haven't been as transparent about their process or their actual impact in doing so, but they're still ranking an A some, uh, people that were a little shocking to me as uh, a consumer, um, just based on their brand identity, that were ranking pretty low are all three of the bottom ones. Uh, they all have Ds and they all have either five or four points. So an eighth wow. place out of 10 is Trader Joe's, um, who is ranking a D. They only have five points. They have two in making a commitment, one in tracking and transparency, and two in prevention. Um, and I think like most people don't think of um, Trader Joe's as a brand that wouldn't be emphasizing uh, food waste or Mm -hmm. uh, reduction of food waste. So I'd be actually really interested to dig deeper in those uh, answers um, because I feel like just as a a person involved in food recovery, they do a pretty good job. I
0: wonder, and this just totally from being in this space and they have Kroger and Walmart and AD are very vocal and very connected to Feeding America and have very robust food recovery programs, which again, I'm sure we'll learn about soon. And, and Trader Joe's doesn't. They do donate, mm-hmm. right? I know they donate a lot, but I think maybe that's where they're losing those points is like the tracking because it's going to communities, but it may not be tracked. So they don't actually know how much is being donated. Because I mean, it, almost every Trader Joe's, you see a Um, oftentimes like a shares location, you know, where they put food. So it is is very interesting because, yeah, you don't know what the details are.
1: Yeah. Um, But if you do want to read the full report, um, you can go to or you can Google slow road to zero. And there's um, the Center for Biological Diversity um, puts out the full report. And there's also like action steps that, um, agencies can take or retailers can take if they want to move up in the rankings. And then also you can just go to grocerywaste.com and they have all of the past year reports as well. Um, but the last one I'll share is number nine or, and I'll, I'll just let you know what 10 is too at this point. Yes. Um, but nine is Costco. Who's also ranking five, also lacking in transparency. Um, and then 10 is Publix and they're, uh, lacking in having a commitment tracking slash transparency. And then they, they do have a two in prevention. So they must be doing, um, some sort of prevention or influencing of prevention. So, um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um, I definitely recommend checking out, um, the list because, um, all of the re- major retailers are on there or their brand, uh, mm-hmm. their overhead banner brand mm-hmm. is on there. Yeah. Like I'll leave you in the dark about where target and whole foods fall. Um, <laughs> Somewhere between Somewhere three and eight. Yes. <laughs> nice. um, but yeah, so that's like a good way to kind of see how people are ranking. Some other things retailers are doing outside of this is joining um, less, making lesser commitments uh, like the Pacific Coast Collaborative, which is an easy way for food retailers um, across kind of the Western, the Pacific Coast are um, make a commitment around food waste. Um, It doesn't like require them to do anything, but they are signing on to the commitment of reducing uh, food waste in the region by 50% by the year 2030, um, which is in alignment with the USDA's US food loss and waste um, goal, and then the sustainable development goal of the United Nations. So um, all of those are kind of aligned. So some retailers have Uh, major retailers as well, have signed on to join that Pacific Coast collaborative.
0: That's great. I mean, I think it's fantastic to hear how many large and very established companies are starting to make commitments or make large changes. And you're seeing the impacts, you know, particularly, I guess, at the top three level. But I imagine even at the bottom three, they're still making strides. And, you know, maybe they could do better. um, But at least folks are thinking about it, which is great. And then there's even smaller grocery stores out there that are throwing the rule book out the window and going, you know what? We don't even need packaging. How, why is that necessary? And so there's been this influx, is probably too strong of a word, but there's been an interest in a lot of waste free grocery stores over the last probably 10 years. And I think they're continuing to gain popularity more and more as the years go on, because folks are really concerned about the packaging waste and um, food waste and being more sustainable. And so, yeah, waste-free grocery stores are essentially a store that has zero packaging. So it's a foods, the foods and goods are purchased in reusable jars and containers, and they look more like a wholesaler than a grocery store in the traditional sense And so the goods are stored in like clear self-service bins. So kind of like if you've ever been to a bulk section in a grocery store, that's kind of the whole, what an entire waste-free grocery store might look like, something of that nature. So it's all in large containers and then you're buying things on your staples in weight, um, you know, from raisins to flour and olive oil to even shampoo. And then you're only buying however much you need, you know, sometimes I go in and I'm looking for maybe just a cup of almonds for example and i have to buy a larger amount which is fine i can throw them in the freezer but if we can ultimately start buying the amount that we need then we will waste less overall cuz what if i forget about those almonds in the freezer it's you know 10 years later and they're in the corner they're probably still okay i'd probably eat them but you never know it's just one of those things and there's just no no plastic it's an exciting way to you know reduce waste and continue preventing food going going bad at your home or not being eaten but in all realistic it can be challenging to you know have you know if you're bringing your own containers each time right so you're not having to buy containers each time it it can be hard to remember all your containers i know how hard it is to remember my bags when i go to the store and um but you can take your containers and hopefully you know if you have a vehicle that will make it easier. But if it's public transportation, that then again is another barrier tr- barrier to um, traveling to a, a waste-free grocery store. So you do have to think about pre-planning um, and what products you're going to purchase um, since they're not packaged in plastic and sealed. Some things might go stale quicker. So you just have to think about, that's why you buy how much you need instead of buying you know the three giant bags of cereal from, from Costco or something like that, you're buying for the week. Uh, and then you're going back, so it just it it requires a mind shift in how you normally purchase food and your other goods. A lot of these stores also have you know shampoo and soaps and all of those things, so it's it can be a one stop, mostly one stop shop for your goods, and then you're not having all the plastic waste. You have less trash, so you maybe you could downsize your garbage cans um, if you have um, to pay you know for for your garbage. So just. It's an exciting time to think about waste-free grocery stores and a different way of shopping.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. We have one in Oakland uh, where I live, and um, it's such a different experience to going to like a a normal grocery store, traditional grocery store, where you have like so many people and everyone just kind of feels like they're on a mission, like get in and get out of the grocery store and shout out to mud lab, which is the Oakland one. Um, it's just like a more relaxing experience. People like talk to you. Um, you know, that if you're going in there, you probably have, um, a similar value to somebody that works there or somebody that's also shopping there. And so it's definitely, um, it's definitely fun. A little bit of a, uh, you have to most, um, zero waste grocery stores don't offer everything, uh, cause it's hard to, you know, get your chips and your meat, Mm-hmm. Um, also, so you, you have to make multiple stops, but the nation's first zero waste grocery store actually started in Austin, Texas, and it was called ingredients. I N period Ingredients, um, and it opened in 2012. Um, it was a very small grocery store around 1400 square feet. Notice I just said was, yeah. uh, unfortunately it failed, um, there, but they had a big mission of zero waste or technically no waste was their mission. Um, they had items like, uh, dry goods, uh, grains, nuts, locally sourced produce. Um, like Kat mentioned, they had like soaps and, uh, they also, uh, made their own soda. So you, you could, um, bring your own packaging and get soda, oil, vinegar, um, and then uh, they their only item that had actual packaging was eggs. The challenge, their major challenges were that people would forget their containers. So it's mo- really customer driven to be able to be zero waste. Because uh, if you forget your container, um, then you, they were seeing that people were walking across the street to go buy containers from a different store and then either come back or in some cases they would just shop. At that store, instead, um, they ran into customers requesting items like beer, meat, chips—things you can get at a regular grocery store as well—and they were unable to bring those in without um, zero packaging or with limited packaging. They had a challenge shifting customers' mindsets about like not sending the food. So, if even if they bought it at the the zero waste grocery store, like still trying to influence um, their client, their customers to not waste it. And so they, they were doing the best they could prevent, but then ultimately like the food could still end up in the landfill. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately it closed in April of 2018, but six years, that's a pretty good run. I wish I could have gone and like taken a picture yeah. uh, <laughs> in front of the first zero waste grocery store. I mean, it's definitely span or spawn a bunch of other um, innovators that are doing it everywhere else?
0: Yeah, and also on the in the online space, so as we talked about, it's really hard. you forget your jars, you it's heavier. Um, and so I think the trend of zero waste has definitely caught on and companies have thought, well, how can we do this but eliminate some of those challenges of in-person shopping in a zero waste environment? And so uh, a couple companies, that i'm gonna highlight is uh one that's called loop and they partner with big companies typical companies you would go to or like walgreens or brands like nestle and they actually then offer those brand name products but in reusable containers so you can still buy the products that you're used to you you know and love but then you can get them in a reusable container so that they are more waste free and That's really exciting because then you're not giving up something for maybe something you don't think is good or you can still get your M&Ms or whatever it is that you love. um, But now it's in a more sustainable way. And then there's also a company called Zero Grocery, which is an online grocery store that offers actually everything from produce to meat and shelf-stable pantry items with absolutely zero plastic in the L.A. and Bay Area regions And so you can shop online and they deliver it to your house and it has zero plastic. And so that's an exciting way you can, from the convenience of your own home, you don't even have to go anywhere and it just shows up and you know, you're, you're doing something a little bit more uh, sustainable. You'll have less waste, less plastic, but you get all of your uh, groceries from one location. So things are happening in this space that are trying to make it easier for, for consumers to uh, go towards a zero waste or less waste grocery shopping.
1: I'm really excited to try some of those. I actually didn't know about the one that is like Bay Area, LA focused. I live in the Bay.
0: Yeah. I haven't tried it out either. So I kind of want to just to see what, what, what's
1: it all about? We'll keep you posted listeners. Well, hope. Is it recipe time? I mean, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, doo doo, boop boop, bop. Beep, Ooh, that beep, one beep, bop. was kind of. Oh, oh <laughs> that one was kind of like, um, robot-y.
0: Yeah. Well, futuristic. You know, I. The aliens are
1: coming. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard that a lot actually. Twenty twenty <laughs> was nothing. Twenty twenty one's ringing the aliens, and I'm there like, that's go. fine. <laughs> Whatever.
0: Oh man. Well, anyway. Recipe time I'm excited as always um, to share a recipe with you today. So have you ever hope oh, bought a abo- loaf of bread and unfortunately it goes stale before you can eat it. Oh yeah yeah right it's a it's a common one it happens a lot unfortunately particularly I feel like the really fresh bread you get from the bakery that's the best bread mm-hmm. I buy it and then I'm, oh, I'm so excited to eat it and then if I don't store it properly, it just gets all stale. But did you know you can continue to use that bread by rehydrating it? And it's still perfectly delicious.
1: Ooh, tell me more.
0: Yeah, so just using a little water in your oven, I took my very hard, like straight up, it was like a baseball hard, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and turned it into a glorious bread pudding.
1: Ooh, yeah. anything for um, carbs and sweets together.
0: And yeah, so anyway, how do you rehydrate your bread? You start by um, preheating your oven to about 400 degrees. And then if you can, depending on how uh, stale your bread is, um, if you could try to break it up into smaller pieces, that will help a lot. And speed the process up because if you have a larger chunk, the middle will take a lot longer to rehydrate. So um, get the bread a little bit wet. You want it to be like a little bit moist, but not like soaking. You don't want it like a sponge, not, not that no. wet. <laughs> um, and then you bake it in the oven until it becomes like soft and pliable again. And you'll can see this doesn't take too long. So keep, keep a good eye on it. Maybe check it every couple of minutes, about five minutes or so, particularly depending on how much bread you have. And then... Um, If you have a larger piece, keep breaking that down as it, um, the outside layers become regular bread-like again, Um, but be really careful because it's very hot. Um, I was struggling and burned my hands just a little bit. So do, do be careful, maybe let it cool before you pull it apart. And so keep doing that until the larger loaf has become, you know, mostly bite-sized pieces. And once you have all your bread ready, you can start making the bread pudding Which is exciting. You could also turn that bread into croutons. If you didn't want to rehydrate it, you can turn stale bread into breadcrumbs and use that as well. But you can only have so much breadcrumbs and bread pudding. I mean, come on. Delicious. So you can, again, as with like all of our recipes, you can get really creative with what you have and what you're interested in. Um, But I went for a chocolate maple pecan bread pudding. Oh, yeah. and
1: all the the checks there
0: yes you know I just was like I'm going for this we're getting really indulgent and and just having fun but you could also go savory there's you know savory bread puddings with cheese oh, you could add um bacon or other meats in your in your bread pudding what I did for mine was I had about two cups or 164 grams of rehydrated bread and so that's what the recipe is based off of. So if you have more or less, you might need to adjust. Um, but for me, I did one. Um, I chose to do a I f- I made this vegan. So I did a flax egg. Um, but you can then if you want to use regular eggs, use one egg, a quarter cup of chopped pecans that were lightly toasted and a quarter cup of chocolate chips. Uh, one cup of milk of choice and then um, two tablespoons of maple syrup and then you'll use a little bit of butter to like grease the pan and then I topped the before I put the bread pudding in the oven with a little butter to just add some extra indulgence and deliciousness
1: you never go wrong with butter oh
0: it's so good it's so good So um, it's pretty simple, too. Once you have all your ingredients, you make sure your oven's preheated to 400 degrees. You add the bread to the mixing bowl. And then in a separate bowl first, mix together your egg, milk, and maple syrup and kind of get that all combined and like liking each other. And then you put that into the uh, bread mixture and kind of let that um, start to soak up. You want the bread to get it a little bit soaky and they're so... um, you know, absorbing the flavors and then add in your pecans and chocolate chips and then kind of mix. um, So you get a good ratio of like bread to chocolate chips. A lot of times like that stuff will fall to the bottom. So you wanna be thoughtful about how, um, particularly once you're putting it in the pan, how you're layering it. And so I let it sit for probably about two to three minutes, not too long, Um, depending on how like, again, hard your bread is, you may wanna let it go a little bit longer, but mine rehydrated pretty nicely. And so while you're waiting for the soak, grease your baking dish with a little bit of butter and then add in your mixture. And again, here's a really good place to make sure you're getting um, the nuts and the chocolate chips evenly distributed as much as possible. So you don't have like one giant chunk of the fixins or mixins and like just bread on the other side.
1: It could make one person really happy.
0: <laughs> it could, it could. And then the other people are like, I thought there was chocolate and pecans in this. And you're like, oh, my bad. And so then you just bake it for about 25 to 35 minutes until it gets like golden brown and the top's getting kind of crispy, but then you still want that like pudding-like context- texture in the um, middle of the bread. And so then let it cool and then you enjoy warm or cold, um, however you like it. I topped mine. I made a little chocolate sauce with a little chocolate and butter. And then I also candied uh, more pecans to put on top. But you could do this with ice cream or whipped cream. Again, it's your oyster. What do you want in it? And uh, yeah, that's the uh, rehydrated bread pudding.
1: I can't wait to buy some bread, forget about it, and then make it into something beautiful.
0: (laughs) I, uh, it was my first time rehydrating bread, and I, I felt very excited about that. It was a it was a good good way to do it.
1: Yeah, I ten out of ten would recommend everyone do this. Yeah, maybe today.
0: <laughs> well, you can check out the recipe on Two and that's with the number two, as well as a sneak prequel sneak peek will be on Instagram, and you could check that out at Two Girls Talking Trash as well with the number two.
1: Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And I hope that you think a little bit about where you're grocery shopping moving forward.